the overwhelming majority of Americans from white to black, Latino or otherwise, do not want to see the police abolished, let alone even defunded. In fact, many want to see the amount of police increased. Yet somehow we still have many Democrats calling for disbanding, defunding or outright abolishing the police. On Twitter, a prominent phrase that's popping up among many left wing journalists is the quote, abolish the police. Among some Democrats and many activists, it's defund or disband. In fact, in Minneapolis, the city council is discussing whether or not they should just outright disband their police department with the most prominent Democrat being Ilhan Omar. And this is freaking people out. People don't want this. So I can't help but wonder how it is the Democrats get a hold of something they can actually use coming into November and they just shred it to pieces. I have to wonder if everything they're doing is on purpose and if they really are just trying to get Donald Trump reelected. Republicans are seizing on the latest statements from Democrats to disband police and it's going to work. Many pollsters seem to think so. This story from The Hill The National Republican Congressional Committee turns up heat on vulnerable Democrats over Omar's call to abolish police. You see, when George Floyd lost his life, it was a shock to most Americans. And I mean, almost every single one. We saw Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh both coming out saying this was a disgrace. There was unity in support for some kind of reform and justice to be had. But these activists took things too far and are now adopting a fringe position that very few people actually want. And they're pitting themselves against their own Democratic leadership, which, by the way, has been controlling many of these cities and hasn't seemed to work out. So I'll tell you this. What we're seeing here, I think, explains exactly why Democratic leadership in many cities has failed. They keep bending over for the fringe activists instead of actually implementing sound policies, which could help make things better. We have this story. This is from Yahoo. Democrats have run Minneapolis for generations. Why is there still systemic racism? It's a really good question. I don't know. But I can tell you, the moment a plurality of Americans, a majority of Americans come out and say, we would like to see police reform, they jump the shark and say, disband the police outright. And I got the polling data for you. It's truly remarkable to see what's happening. So let's get started and take a look at what happened with how how the Republicans are weaponizing this how they are capitalizing this. And I'll tell you what, man, Trump hasn't been doing too well in the polls. But more importantly, the betting odds for Trump have flipped. Joe Biden in the past week is now the favorite to win on Predict It and in Vegas. Let's take a look at how Republicans are going to try and recover things using calls to abolish police. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. The best thing you can do is just share this video. I know not, not a lot of people want to agree or want to hear this, but abolishing the police is not a popular position. And if the Democrats, I said it before, I'll say it again. If they don't stand up to the woke Twitterati, they will be led blindly down a path that results in their defeat. I can't, I, I, I'm shocked, man. Let me show you this real quick. I don't understand how it is that Joe Biden is actually the favorite to win by about eight points over on Predict It. That seems to make no sense to me. Other election betting odds have the, the, the likelihood of the Senate flips uh, as, as more probable than Republicans maintaining it. That to me is also shockingly nuts. 
I mean, after everything we saw with the hypocrisy from Democratic governors shutting down businesses, but then going out and protesting from, you know, churches still being shuttered, operating at minimal capacity, but protests being celebrated. I'm supposed to expect people to go out and vote for this again. I'll tell you what, listen, it's not about Republican. It's not about Democrat. It's about the individuals who would hold double standards and treat people unequally under the law. Now they're simul- they're, they're going out demanding equal, you know, fair treatment under the law, under the law, while simultaneously punishing churches and businesses and supporting this ideology. That's what it's about. It's kind of scary to think that people might actually vote for that. I mean, let alone voting for abolishing the police. If there were, look, listen. In 2016, we saw this playbook, right? If there is anything that shows us the media is wrong, it's got to be abolish the police. Polling data suggests most people want to see the police maintained and more than double. So so about a third of people want more cops and about 16% want to defund the police. What does that really mean? I honestly don't know. Take away some of their budget, I guess. But I got to tell you, man, Maybe I'm the crazy one. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe I've lost my mind and the American people really just don't want any police anymore. I would be shocked to see that kind of radical transformation, especially when I go out and talk to my neighbors and people in my community who like the police and the police poll favorably. And still today, we have tons of cop shows and movies that treat police like heroes. Not always. You got crooked cop stories too, but they're usually the good guys. You want me to believe now that somehow overnight, our entire, our, our entire society just inverted like we jumped th- into mirror world and everybody hates the cops. I would be uh, surprised to find it. Let's read the story from The Hill. They say NRCC turns up heat on vulnerable Democrats over Omar's call to abolish police. Republican operatives are attempting to link vulnerable Democrats to progressive members calls to disband police departments and reduce their budgets as they look to flip key swing districts in November. Top progressive lawmakers and outside groups have called for substantial changes to the structure of U.S. law enforcement after the death of George Floyd, an unarmed black man in Minneapolis. And and we know the story. Ilhan Omar tweeted Friday, the Minneapolis Police Department has proven themselves beyond reform. It's time to disband them and reimagine public safety in Minneapolis. Ocasio-Cortez also took to social media to blast New York's police budget, tweeting, if police budgets bought peace, the $6 billion NYPD budget would have bought the most sophisticated de-escalatory operation in the world. Clearly, it didn't. However, we don't know what the alternative is. I mean, what would happen if there were no police? We don't know because we haven't actually experienced it. It's entirely possible that that $6 billion is staving off something substantially worse. Perhaps something like what we just saw over the past week with random people who weren't protesting, rampaging through New York City and destroying everything, smashing windows and stealing things. Now, look, I'm not going to play to any 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 bias here. We just don't know. It's entirely possible we need to try something new because we've only ever had this ever expanding police force and the militarization of police. Not a big fan. Don't like seeing cops from outside the community come in and try and police people they don't know and don't care about. But I don't know what the solution is. And I'm not entirely sure disbanding the entire department is what you should be calling for. This is what's really fascinating right now. We have this uh, this story from Cato, Cato.org. Americans don't want to defund the police. Instead, they agree on reform. At the very least, before we do anything, Reform seems to make the most sense. 
defund, if you actually break it down and talk about the scale to which you want to defund, could actually make sense too. Are we talking about taking down some of their budgets and, and, and placing it somewhere else? Maybe that could be a good idea. We've heard that New York and Los Angeles are planning on reducing their police budgets by or, you know, a couple hundred million or so. Not really uh, much of a dent, to be honest, in their massive billion, multi-billion dollar budgets. But maybe, maybe there's some real policy reform and something we can do to actually, I don't know, positively change how things are run and improve. I don't think it's I don't think it's right to just sit around and do nothing. But at the same time, here's what's happening. Something happens. George Floyd, he loses his life. We're all kind of, you know, we're all pretty mad about it. We see all the major companies jumping on board. We want justice. Well, they arrested the guy. They arrested the other cops. Kind of got what you wanted. Then some people said we want real reform so it doesn't happen again. Hey, you know what? I kind of agree with that, too. And guess what? Most people do. They say in this uh, in this story, most Americans want reform. And I'll read this in a second. 70, here we go. 79% of Americans support having outside law enforcement agencies investigate police misconduct rather than leave it to the department to handle. They, they talk about all the various reforms people support. Instead, what are the Democrats doing? They just jumped the shark. Take a look at this right here. This, this, look at this. The mayor of Minneapolis was thoroughly booed and dismissed once he refused to commit to defunding the police department. No one would be happier to see defunding the police being a wedge issue for Democrats in November than Donald Trump. He's right. This guy, Andrew Egger says, quote, I do not support the full abolition of police. All right, then get the F out of here. Hard to get any clearer than that. These people, this is this is Mayor Jacob Frey of Minneapolis, and he was challenged. They said, will you agree to defunding the police? Yes or no. His response, I do not support the full abolition of police. And so they all started booing him and screaming at him and telling him to get the, get, get the F out of here. I think I know why he's doing it, because he realizes how insane that sounds. I'm not going to commit to that. Are you nuts? But the people, they said he's up for re-election. Go vote. Could you imagine what would happen if these people won? This is where things starting to get really scary for me. People talk about the red pill and the blue pill and all that other nonsense. But I'll tell you what, look, I've known for a long time the media lies. I know that a lot of people like Trump, but I also know a lot of people are tribalist. And because the media lies, they take the other side. I'm not interested in playing those games. But I will tell you this, following these riots, the helicopters and the sirens near my houses, the bridges being shut down. Yeah, things got scary enough for me to go and figure out how to get a gun for myself. And now we're seeing many leftists go out and buy guns for the first times in their lives. Many liberals, these seemingly gun control people now want protection. Why? It's getting crazy out there, man. And what am I hearing now? I'm hearing that there is a large contingent of people, including mainstream progressive Democrats currently serving in the House, saying disband police. Now, look, man, I've had my run in with cops, but that to me is scary. You know why? Let's say you're one of these wrong thinkers. Let's say you're one of these people with those opinions they don't like. How many of you know that behind the scenes you might say something offensive that you would never say publicly? What happens if someone snitches on you? What happens if they show up to your house and they say it's time to face the mob and there's no police? What I'm trying to bring up is we have seen overt acts of violence. We have seen activists terrorize the homes of conservatives. Notably, we saw Tucker Carlson kind of low level. They went to his house protesting, banging on his door. But then we saw what happened to Cassandra Fairbanks. What would happen if there was no police? Now, maybe they won't be able to save you if, if these people are crazy and they kick your door in. 
But at least you have a larger contingent that follows some kind of hierarchy where the feds can come in and take over if the police aren't doing it. But that you know, someone's not going to ideologically impose their strange rules on you. These people who want to abolish the police, they hold a strange ideology that is violent. Not all of not, not, they're not all violent, but they tend to support it. We had one woman go on, I think, I think it was on CNN. She was the, uh, one of the authors of the 1619 Project, which was very like thoroughly debunked. She came and said that destroying property wasn't violence. So what would happen if these are the people who are able to get rid of police and replace them with something else? Well, then when they come and throw bricks through your window, they'll say, it's not violence. You're a bigot. Yeah, I don't I don't think a regular person's going to want to live through that, which brings me to the serious problem Democrats face. Take a look at this from uh, the Cato article. They say, keep in mind, few Americans of any racial group support some or more of the radical changes demanded by some activists. For instance, few people support calls to abolish or defund the police. Nine in 10 black, white and Hispanic Americans oppose reducing the number of police officers in their community. And a third say their community needs more officers, the Cato survey found. And a Yahoo YouGov survey found that only 16% of Americans favor cutting funding for police departments, including 12% of whites, 33% of blacks, and 17% of Hispanics. While Americans support 57%, the general purpose behind the protests in response to the death of Floyd, they do not like protests that turn violent and lead to rioting. And the Yahoo YouGov poll found that 51% felt the Minneapolis protests were mostly violent riots, not peaceful. This may be why a morning consult poll found that 71% of Americans support sending in the National Guard to address the protests. Or how about this? From political polls, morning consult, who's more responsible for inciting violence during the protests? Protesters, 45%. The police, 35%. I don't know what that other group is. Maybe it's the I don't know group. But we can see here that people typically think the protesters are the ones at fault. Now, I think a fair point to be made is nobody should think the police are inciting violence. That number should be down left and right. I think everyone should agree. Whatever is happening that's causing this, we should solve this problem, right? But for the time being, what do we know? These Democrats have seized upon this opportunity for an extremist position. Most people in this country would oppose even people in big cities who got problems with cops are saying, whoa, wait, what? No. I reached out to some of my friends who are supporting these protests and not protesting themselves. And I said, would you support a call to abolish the police? And they're like, what are you talking about? What? No, that's insane. And it plays right in the hands. Good old Donald Trump. I don't know when this, uh, how this happened, but check this out. This is predicted political betting odds. And Trump was favored to win 26th of May, 27th of May, but then around the 28th, 29th, things changed. Trump dipped and Biden surged. Joe Biden is now predicted to win the election this November. And I just do not believe it. I really, really don't believe it. And there's so many reasons not to believe it. First of all, take a look at this story. All of these cities where we're seeing police brutality, they're Democrat cities. In fact, in New York City, stop and frisk, which is widely regarded as a racist policy because it specifically targeted uh, communities of color. And Michael Bloomberg said as much in, I guess, like just openly and publicly, he said, well, those are the people doing it. We're going to go after them. Stop and frisk was gun control. It was them trying to stop people, frisk them looking for weapons. And it was also targeting racial minorities. This is New York City. It's the stronghold for Democrats. Look at Chicago. 
all the problems they have. They've been democratically controlled are controlled by the Democrats for what? I mean, nearly 100 years. And, And what have they solved? Minneapolis, where this started, is a Democratic run city, mayor, congresswoman, a governor. So, so what's the solution? Do you really expect me to believe that come November, these people are going to come out and vote for Joe Biden? Who thinks Joe Biden's going to solve any of these problems? This to me, I find absolutely shocking. But take a look at this. This is really interesting. In a story from the Wall Street Journal, they say Americans are more troubled by police actions over uh, George Floyd than by violence at protests, Paul finds. I actually agree with that. I don't, I, some people might look at that and think that contradicts the other studies. No, 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 no. I think what happened to George Floyd was horrifying, absolutely horrifying. And so that absolutely needs to be solved. But here's the thing. They arrested the guy. Now I'm kind of satisfied he's going to face trial. I hope they don't try to overcharge him and they arrested the other cops. All right, well, there we go. Hey, and now we can call for some reforms. Now we're seeing violent riots and I'm concerned about that too. But I'll tell you what, if I had to, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say they both shouldn't be happening. But I really do think there's a difference between smashing a window and massive loss of property and stuff and kneeling on someone's neck until they're dead. Trust me, they're both wrong. I get it. But they're wrong in different ways. I think life comes first, then property. Although we're seeing widespread property destruction, the point I'm trying to make is if people think, you know, it's worse that this guy died, I think that's fair to point out. I don't think it means that Americans support the violence. Take a look at this. 80% feel the country is spiraling out of control, according to a new Wall Street Journal NBC news poll. We can also see something really fascinating, though. Take a look at this. Mr. Trump's biggest advantage over Mr. Biden continued to surround economic issues. When asked who would be best at cutting the unemployment rate and getting people back to work, Americans picked Mr. Trump 48% to 35 A similar share said Mr. Trump would be better at dealing with the economy. Mr. Trump held a slight advantage, 43% to 40% on the question of dealing with China. I mean, these, these are the issues that people care about when it comes to the election. Moody's analytics, which predicted Trump was going to win very easily, talks about the price of gas and the economy, and they don't take take these other factors into consideration. I think you definitely need to, but I'll tell you what, as much as I think it's fair to say that I personally, you know, uh, so I have seen many apolitical people get activated by this. People that never cared about politics are now talking about voting. Maybe this will get young people to come out in droves in November. I just don't buy it. Sorry, I don't. You know why? It's the same hand they played back in 2016. Didn't work. Racism, bigotry, chaos. Nope, didn't work. Why would it work now? Bernie Sanders thought he had the youth vote. They didn't turn out for him either. So why should I believe after everything we've seen all of a sudden now, this is what that what does Trump in? Nah, sorry, man. Take a look at this. One of the most one of the most hilarious statements I've ever heard about uh, Trump and, 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 and polling. The, the Wall Street Journal says since the midterm elections, a period that included the release of the Mueller report, an impeachment, a pandemic and civil rights upheaval. Mr. Trump's approval rating has never dipped below 43 and it's never risen above 47, according to 18 polls during that time. Republican pollster Bill McInturf, who conducted the survey with Democrat Jeff Horwitt, said Mr. Trump's standing remained stable despite the political equivalent of getting repeatedly battered by Category 5 hurricanes. Yikes. Quote, those are remarkable findings that speak to the power of our partisan silos. Still, 
The poll contained some red flags for Mr. Trump, the pollster said. One was the widening Democratic lead on which party the country wants to control Congress after the next election. Americans said they prefer Democrats over Republicans 51 to 40 percent, an 11 point divide up from six points in January. They say a similar double digit preference for Democrats prefaced the party's gains in 2018, 2008, and 2006. If the findings persists, that signals it would be more difficult for Trump to close the gap with Mr. Biden. Mr. McKinturf said, you know, I've been pretty bullish on Trump winning and potentially the Republicans sweeping. And there's a lot of reasons for it. I was wrong in 2018 when I said that I thought the Republicans were going to sweep and maybe even get a supermajority. What I didn't take into consideration was that Trump's base didn't come out. It's unfortunate, but it's true. A large portion of Trump's base, non-college educated whites, sat that one out. And I think it's because Trump wasn't on the ballot. Something fired him up. Trump got him to come out. Trump tried again, but he wasn't on the ballot, so they didn't. And that allowed Democrats to take the House. And then it resulted in the impeachment scandal and this whole disaster that's you know been unfolding over the past year. Well, now we got some other some other data to consider. I'm looking at this. And so I, was, I will still remain rather tepid. I think there are some things we can see that speak to a potential landslide for sure, like them calling to abolish the police. Is that right? Insane. But the data, you know, we've got data that says otherwise. Could it be wrong like it was in 2016? Oh, you betcha. And it's just hard to know what's true because we can't see the future. But I'll tell you what. Last December in the UK, we saw the most like one of the worst defeats the left has ever seen. And many of you know this It was December 13th of 2019. The conservatives won in areas they hadn't won in nearly 100 years. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar happen right now. So I wonder why it is that people think Trump is going to lose. One of the reasons is because of what happened in 2016. If you, if you look at how the media played the game, the media is biased. They're desperate to frame things, always benefiting Trump, always, always benefiting Trump. Now, to be fair, I think I often do on this channel put out videos that show Trump is winning, the Republicans are winning, the Democrats are spawning out of control. But listen, Russiagate failed, Ukraine gate failed, Justice Millett was wrong, Covington was wrong. How many stories do we have published uh, that were fake and retracted? The Intercept pointed out 20 stories that were wrong in the Russiagate era and 10 honorable mentions. And then we have Eric Wemple of the Washington Post, who actually went through and dissected all of the things they were wrong about. And they were wrong every step of the way. It says to me then that the Democrats are somehow wrong about everything. I mean, they're wrong about shutting the police down. It's how Donald Trump won in 2016. They didn't see it coming because they were too busy patting each other on the back, writing stories to make themselves feel good. Here's what I think may be affecting these prediction markets. First and foremost, I must stress the data in most likely, in my opinion, is probably on point. Does it mean Trump is guaranteed to to lose? No, it's about probabilities. If Trump has a 47% chance to win or something, Well, that means it's almost a coin tosses chance to win. Trump could have a 1% chance to win and still win. That's what a lot of pollsters said. You got to understand that the prediction that he could win was was 13%, I believe, the New York Times. That's still a chance he can win. And when he did, it wasn't because they were wrong. They gave him that chance to win. They didn't say he wouldn't win. They just didn't think it was likely. What I think we're seeing now with a lot of these polls is confirmation bias. They're so used to seeing stories that make Trump look bad that they assume everyone must hate Trump but they're not seeing real America. They are seeing fringe activists on Twitter who are saying ridiculous things like abolish the police. 
It's not going to play out well for them, man. I tell you this. I guess we can only wait till November to see. I could be wrong about everything for sure. Man, it seems like no matter how many times I say I can't see the future, people still try to insist that I'm trying to make hard predictions. No, man, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. All right, it's no problem. I'll say it. This is just what I think now. The data will change. Another story could happen. For all we know, tomorrow, Trump is seen on video running into a burning building, saving a bag of puppies, and his, his polls skyrocket to 100%. I don't know. And that would change everything. Or maybe Joe Biden gets weakened, <laughs> weakened at Bernie's and Hillary Clinton steps up and that changes everything. I really don't know. It's why I keep saying I'm not dead set on who I'm going to vote for and why I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. But I am leaning towards right now, in my opinion, based on everything we have in front of us, I still think Trump's going to win. I really, really do. They made the same mistake in 2016. The tactic doesn't work. It's the economy, stupid. And Donald Trump leads in the economy, hands down. People want their money back. I'll leave it there, though. Let me know what you think if you really think Democrats will vote for abolishing the police. I guess we'll see. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash Tibcast News, and I'll see you all then. Now, a lot of people have told me that uh, I'm a little too bullish on this idea of civil war or something. Yeah, sure. Fine. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I am. A couple of years ago, uh, three years ago, I said things like this would happen. And then a month ago, I was talking about things like this happening, but I didn't think it was going to happen this fast. So maybe I'm completely wrong. And that's fine if I am. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't listen to me. Form your own opinion. But take a look at this story. Manhattan DA announces protesters arrested by NYPD will not be charged. Our office has a moral imperative. Did you know that right now churches are only allowed to operate at about 25% capacity? If you want to go out and exercise your First Amendment, the government has explicitly said one ideology is immune and another ideology is not. And let's just be honest about what this means. They're granting immunity to those who support their ideological cause. They won't charge people who protest, not just regular any old protest, specifically Black Lives Matter. It's amazing, isn't it? The, the, the nurses, the medical people, whatever, signed this letter where they said that they will not condemn the Black Lives Matter protests. They've said that systemic racism costs more lives than COVID. It's actually not true. Uh, COVID has taken over 100,000 lives in only a couple months. It is substantially worse. They told you you couldn't open your business. You couldn't go to church. They told you not to, not to leave your homes and you had to wear a mask. They ridiculed you when you said, what about my business? Then when their ideological allies came out, they straight up said, no prosecution. Can, do you have any idea where this leads? Let me read this for you as a quote. They say Manhattan District Attorney Cy uh, Vance Jr. announced that unlawful assembly and disorderly conduct would not be prosecuted during the demonstrations over police violence. The prosecution of protesters charged with these low level offenses undermines critical bonds between law enforcement and the communities we serve. Days after the killing of George Floyd, our nation and our city are at a crossroads in our continuing endeavor to confront racism and systemic injustice wherever it exists. Our office has a moral imperative to enact public policies which ensure all New Yorkers that are in our justice system and our society, Black Lives Matter, and police violence is a crime. We commend the thousands of our fellow New Yorkers who, has, who have peacefully assembled to demand these achievable aims. And our door is open to any New Yorker who wishes to be heard, Vance said in a statement. How about this one? 
Governor Cuomo, coronavirus reopening. Houses of worship can open with 25% capacity for regions in phase two. And this story is from just last night. Let me make this clear for you. The government of New York, as well as many other democratic states, have, are straight up now violating the First Amendment overtly with nothing being done to stop it, with no one standing up against it. So, I, hey, America, you get what you deserve. If people come out and protest for Black Lives Matter the, and, and they get violent and they riot for a week, there you go. The government bends over backwards and says, this is allowed. Yet if you want to simply go to church or give a haircut or do something normal, nope, sorry. I referenced the, uh, the, the story of Owasso, Michigan, where the barber, 77-year-old, it's a town of 15,000, had his license suspended. Now, the courts have ruled in his favor. But think about what's happening execu- uh, in the executive branches of our governments. They say Trump is a tyrant. Why? What has Trump done? No, no, for real. Oh, Trump gassed, tr- Trump gassed a peaceful protest out in front of the White House. Is that it? Trump has what? The one jurisdiction of D.C. With, with, that he can directly control? And even then, it was Bill Barr who told the police apparently to clear the protesters out, though Bill Barr says he didn't say use tear gas. All of these other governors, all of these riots, they're happening in Democratic cities with Democratic governors with, in Democratic states and Democratic districts. It's, 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 it's Democrats. And so, of course, they're going to say, you can't come out and worship, you can't run your business, but the protesters get a free pass. Look, man, it's only a matter of time before we start seeing inequality under the law. Donald Trump the other day was giving a speech and he said that people must be treated fairly under the law. And it was a great day. George Floyd is probably looking down and smiling. The context was obvious to anybody paying attention. Now, of course, the press conference was about jobs, but Trump addressed the George Floyd protests. We just had these several officers get charged and arrested. And Trump was saying people must be treated equally under the law. What did the left say? Trump was praising job numbers and arguing that George Floyd was supporting the economy or would be happy about it. We have no uh, we have no shared vision of what is currently happening in our country. There are people right now marching in the thousands. There are people right now getting violent with police. And in the media, it, it just the, the narratives are completely fractured. It's hard. Look, I guess the best way I can explain it is you cannot have a society where an ideological faction controls the government and says that so long as you wear their badge of honor, you will be immune from prosecution. It just it just can't function that way. The crazy thing now is that for the longest time, we've talked about the bias in the media and the bias from the government. But now there's no joke. There's no question. There's no they're not hiding it. The, the governor of, of Michigan literally came out and marched it shoulder to shoulder with protesters, while at the same time condemning a barber. CNN just the other day said that Donald Trump was violating CDC guidelines by not allowing reporters to social distance. Then, then CNN goes out and reports praising the protests across this country. Videos are popping up of a wedding taking place with a massive crowd of people in Philadelphia. They are flaunting it and they are smacking you in the face with this. Man, I've never been angrier about what's going on with our government. I hope 
that come election time, this just changes and all of these people get purged. It has nothing to do with policy. It has nothing to do with taxes. It has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that we have people violating the Constitution every single day and no one is doing anything about it. You know what we need to do about it? Vote all these people out. Now, the election is coming up in November and we're going to see how things play out. But I'll tell you what, man, I have never been more concerned, more fearful over what's happening with these with these places. So I know what I'm going to do when when the election comes, you know, uh, in November. Now, I'm, uh, I have said I have said uh, I'm not entirely committed to voting for Trump because we'll see how things play out. But I am leaning in that direction. Adam, my co-host for the Tim Castile podcast, has overtly said he would. And I have friends from back in Chicago have already said they would. So I, I, I don't like playing any of these games, but I'll tell you this right now, man. Joe Biden is worthless in every capacity. He would not be able to handle any of this. And the bigger issue is not even necessarily Trump. It's what the Democratic governors have been doing. The divide now between civil rights is so obvious that you can't go to church. I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm not religious at all. But you can't even go to church. Yet you can protest for Black Lives Matter. Let me show you something. Police officers injured after protesters throw improvised explosives in Seattle. It's from last night. K, uh, K-I-R-O, uh, Kiro 7. Of officials with the Seattle Police Department say several officers were injured during a clash with protesters outside the East Precinct in Capitol Hill Saturday, Saturday night. Around 7.30 p.m., police said demonstrators began moving barricades set up near 11th and Pine. Police said they, have, they, they made multiple requests for them to stop. Some of the demonstrators then began throwing rocks, bottles, and improvised explosives at officers. The police department tweeted out a picture of what appears to be the remnants of a candle and a glass container in their original report about the improvised explosives. Yes, they, they, they do this. They use low-grade improvised explosives. I've personally witnessed it. There are videos on my, on my main channel showing this. Police chief Carmen Best was asked about the photo, but she did not clarify what types of explosives were thrown. Best said two of the injured officers were sent to the hospital. She did not give a further update on their conditions. Protesters at the scene told Kiro 7 there were some instigators in the crowd, but stressed that many people in attendance are promoting peace. Kiro 7 will continue to update the story as more information becomes available. And here's the video. We actually have a, uh, another video here. Jack uh, Posobiec posted it. He said Antifa in a battle of attrition with the Seattle police yesterday. Here's what I tweeted. The reason we say these people are LARPing live action role play is that there is no circumstance in which they actually win. If the police leave, the game is over. Maybe they start destroying property. But even in that case, nothing changes and they gain absolutely nothing. The fighting has no goal at all. Throwing bottles and cans has no constructive end. That's why activists can only defend it by calling it trauma or rage. It's completely meaningless. But I want to add a caveat to this. There is one potential outcome, which we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. In Buffalo, New York, 57 police officers resigned in solidarity with two officers who are suspended and charged with assault over pushing a 75-year-old man who fell down and his, hit his head. You got to be responsible for this stuff, man, if you're a cop or whatever. But I'll tell you what, what we're seeing is the demoralization of our law enforcement institutions. There was a video going around, and this is where things get really, really scary. There was a, uh, I don't know where it's from, but the people are chanting uh, a Black Lives Matter slogan, and there is a black 
uh, army, I believe it is. I'm not entirely sure what what uh, what branch he's with. And he's quietly chanting under his breath the same thing. I have, listen, man. I have talked I've talked to people about civil war and I love it. I love it when they say that the security apparatus of the state is too powerful. They would never allow it. The federal government would step in and intervene because these people can't really see. They can't see what's been happening all around them. Now, of course, I get a lot of people who are mad at me because they aren't paying attention and they say things like Tim is an alarmist or accelerationist. I I am in no way trying to encourage this. Quite the opposite. Shut up. Sit down, everybody. Go home. Calm down. Life is good. As Louis C.K. said, we're living in the best times ever, but people are so, you know, angry about everything. Let me tell you what we have been seeing. The police will resign. It's one of the tactics we've seen for this cultish ideology. They're calling for defunding and abolishing the police. They want to demoralize the police. Right now, major corporations across Instagram are putting up messages in support of Black Lives Matter. Yet instead of saying things in favor of, you know, uh, helping the, the black community, instead what we get are people saying to abolish the police department, which is a radical leftist ideology. It has nothing to do with what's going on. Police reform, like, like Black Lives Matter activist Duray McKesson said, makes sense. No more chokeholds, right? Maybe they shouldn't come out with truncheons or whatever, whatever. There have been real calls for reform. That makes a lot of sense. So why is it that these people are going around and demanding that we defund the police? Shelby Tolcott, uh, Talcott of The Daily Caller reports that, quote, defund the police has been added to D.C.'s Black Lives Matter street mural. Why would they do that? What's their goal? They want to get rid of the police department, demoralize it and shut them down. So let's talk about the potential for civil war. You know what? Maybe I am wrong. Maybe there won't be one because law enforcement, military and, you know, federal enforcement will just flip and just uh, stage a coup or something. A lot of people have already said as much. But I'll tell you what, man, seeing that army officer chanting under his breath the Black Lives Matter slogans, this is a this is an ideology that is spreading and it uses goodwill to manipulate people into supporting deconstruction. It's scary stuff, man. I really I really hate to play the Godwin's law game about, you know, World War Two Germany. But I was talking to a friend and I said, did you ever wonder why it is that so many people just blindly raised their hands to support this regime? I'm not trying to equate the, the, the results or goals of either of these organizations. What I'm trying to point out is that human bl- humans blindly follow. I'm not saying any of this leads to anything like that. I'm just saying we look back on history and we ask ourselves why so many people just blindly followed something they didn't understand. And it's because it's, it's what people do. You have no idea what would happen if the police got defunded. We've seen it happen, apparently. There's been, I guess, some stories. I, I need to look these up about like uh, police strikes in certain cities. Think like Toronto. And crime skyrocketed, buildings started burning, and it was chaos. The mayor of Minneapolis was told to uh, by activists to defund the police, to commit to defunding or abolishing the police. And he said no. So he got booed by the protesters. I don't know what the protesters want, but you know what happens if there's no cops? It's, it's going to be bedlam. Maybe there's some kind of trans- transition. And, and to be fair, I've talked about this. They've talked about reimagining and restructuring, but that's just reform. Police reform. They're saying no to this. DeRay McKesson did an interview where he talked about police reform. That's the that's a real issue for Black Lives Matter. And he got slammed by radical leftists. They're attacking him now, saying that it's privilege for him to say this and that police must be abolished. 
You know what, man? There, there. Look, people have told me. I'll go back to that point. That's what I, that's what I was trying to get to. When I said uh, I was reading from Matt Taibbi, he was talking about the countries his, he's been in where civil wars have broken out, and he said you get to the point where they start counting heads, and he said that's the place where we're at. Don't take it from me. Don't take my opinion. Maybe I'll do something uh, another segment on this. Matt Taibbi is a Rolling Stone lefty journalist, and he has talked about how we are getting to the point where the federal government will start tapping heads saying who's on our side and who isn't. And when you see someone in the army chanting with the ideologues, what do you think that means for our armed forces? Will they, will, will they fall in line if given the command? Maybe, maybe not. People are starting to fracture in their view of the world. So here's what I see happening. The government says one ideology is preferred over the other. And that is that should be one of the most shocking things to you. I can't tell you how many articles have popped up from mainstream sources saying like the potential for civil war is coming or even seeing Matt Taibbi say like we're near this and Bill Maher on real time say this could lead to civil war. It's funny. All of these people have been saying it. Yet people people come to me and say, Tim, you're nuts. You're wrong. I don't care what you think, dude. I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm seeing and I know I know what I'm preparing for. You can you can argue as some have that whenever we talk about this, we actually make it happen faster and faster. No, man, it has nothing to do with what I'm saying. I'm a toast YouTube comment, uh, you know, commentary guy. When, when the Manhattan DA specifically says one ideology is protected, what do you think is going to happen? Let's say you're standing next to that soldier or whatever, who's chanting for Black Lives Matter, and you're a Christian, and you want to go to church, or you're Jewish, and you want to pray, and Bill de Blasio sends cops to your neighbor to shut you down. What do you think happens when that guy says, no, we need to be allowed to protest for justice? And you say, well, I should be able to go to church. And he says, no, COVID. They locked everything down. They arrested people over COVID, a salon owner in, in Texas. The courts had to overturn it. Then the governor goes out in, in you know, in Michigan, we have that story. The, Texas is different. Texas was trying to have it both ways, I guess. Tell you what, man, when I, when I brought up the counting heads thing and Matt Taibbi, when I brought up to a bunch of people, civil war, they love to say it. The Proud Boys and Antifa fighting will not be a civil war. Never said it would. I didn't, I didn't say it was going to be the Proud Boys and Antifa running through the streets. I said civil war. So here's what I think may actually happen. What you need to be careful of is when the government starts choosing sides. And they just did. So what do you expect from me, man? You want to tell me I'm wrong? I don't care if you think I'm wrong. I really, really don't. A lot of people tweeting at me saying that it's all for clicks, all for clicks. Oh, yeah. okay. me quoting Matt Taibbi of Rolling Stone. I'm just making it up. There are people who were recently arrested bringing weapons into New York, and they were Black Lives Matter activists. To the best of my understanding, that's what I can say, because they had been posting on social media in support of the protests. Now, maybe they were just accelerationist or whatever, boogaloo, whatever you want to call it. They were posting in favor of this. So here's what I see happening, man. The New York government has just laid it out. The, the, the Constitution is, is, is meaningless. Now, can the federal government come in and, and actually enforce the Constitution? I, I, I don't know. Maybe they can. But in certain states, they are now declaring their ideology is immune. What do you think this means, man? When I said civil war and people told me the government wouldn't allow it, my response was, you think the government wouldn't allow it? They're involved in it. It's not going to be a neutral parent arbiter. This is what people think. They think the government is just sitting there watching factions fight. No way, dude. 
No, the government has chosen sides, at least in New York. New York has specifically aligned with an ideology and granted them immunity on low level offenses, to be fair. But regardless, regardless, what would happen if a thousand people show up to a church meeting? What would they do? The, the powder keg is set up and ready to be knocked over, man. And now they all want to abolish the police. This is what we see. Those that don't support them must be destroyed. So now you have the DA siding with the activists, siding with the ideology of, identi- of, of leftist identitarianism. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to play that game with these people. Sorry, I left for one of these reasons. You know what, man? It's, it's really funny. You know, I lived in New York for a long time and I left for this reason. And I said it. The violence is escalating and it's going to get worse. So I moved to the Jersey side. Then there were some bombs planted in New York. I don't know what those were related, what those were related to. It seemed to be random, but I said, nah, got to move further and further away. And now I have. And now I'm planning on moving further away again, as are many people. I'll tell you this right now, man, Cassandra Fairbanks, they showed up to her house with guns and fireworks and she, she fled. She's gone. She left. She, she left. She had to get out. They, they did go fund me to raise money for her to get out. Maybe this uh, fizzles down. It's possible. I've said it before when I, when I talk about what might happen. I don't think so. You mean to tell me that after everything you've seen with the rioting uh, throughout all these cities, the attacks on cops, the explosions, the fires, Minneapolis looks like a war zone. After everything you've seen, you think everything's going back to normal. I would call you a crazy person. I was talking to a friend and I said this. China has sent a strike group through the South China Sea, maybe normal, sank a Vietnamese fishing boat. They've been doing beaching trainings. Many people think they're going to make a move on Taiwan. The U.S. sent destroyers into the South China Sea. China claims they chased one off. COVID crippled one of, a couple of our aircraft carriers who had to go and clean out and bring a bunch of soldiers off, off the boat. The U.S. did an elephant walk. We watched all of that happen. Venezuela tried to commandeer a German cruise ship and sank one of their boats. Iranian ships in the, in the, in the Persian Gulf were uh, apparently swarming and buzzing around U.S. Uh, naval vessels. Unrelated, but hear me out. We have a global pandemic, international lockdown. You can't actually go to other countries right now. International travel is over for the most part, for the most part. Many countries are not allowing people to come in uh, under certain, uh, without certain restrictions. Freedom of movement has been curtailed between countries. We then saw the outbreak of nationwide riots and fires erupting in, in cities all across this country and more death than I have ever seen in riots in the United States. Where I think we're at like 15 or so deaths, 100 plus thousand dead from a global pandemic, international tensions escalating. The economy is, it, you know, took a major, major hit. It might be coming back. We'll, we'll see. And then we have these, this outbreak of rioting. And now the New York government has proposed that if you are of their ideological persuasion, you're immune from low level crime prosecution or low level prosecution. How much needs to happen before you're like, wow, it is falling apart. I don't know. Maybe some people never want to hear it. Maybe some people just want to keep believing that nothing will ever happen. It's called an optimism bias. You think it can't happen, so it doesn't. In 2012, Vice wrote an article from the uh, interviewing briefly this, this researcher who said 2020 is when it's all going to come down. This was in 2012, before any of us knew any of this was going to happen, before anyone knew Donald Trump was going to be president. And now here we are, and it makes me wonder what comes next. Let me tell you something. 
New York became a battleground. And I moved a while ago because I saw it coming and I didn't want to be involved. I lived on the street. Listen to me. Myrtle and Nostrand. I lived on Myrtle and Nostrand. Tompkins and Nostrand, I believe the street was, where a black identity extremist walked up to a squad car and said, you take one of ours, we take two of yours, and went pop, pop against two cops. So I left. I said, it's going to get worse. Did it? You can call me wrong. I hope I am. But unfortunately for me, I have a tendency of getting these things right. and It freaks me out. I saw what happened in these other countries. I've been on the ground in these other countries. I've watched it all happen. So you do what you want to do. You believe what you want to believe. But people are fleeing New York in crazy numbers. I don't know what to expect. But when you see the armed forces chanting along with the ideologues, how long until there's a fracture within our own government? That's civil war, baby. I don't know what it'll look like. I don't know what it'll end up as. I think we're already in it. I think we just haven't seen the worst of it. Maybe this is, maybe this week was the worst because we really are living in different times. But I do think that social media accelerates the, the, the timeline for, for political change. Back in the day, you know, the, the first civil war, you wouldn't have heard about, say, the Battle of Harper's Ferry for a long time. Word would have to spread. Messengers would have to flee take word to a certain town. And then weeks would go by. And finally, someone would be like, break, you know, here, here, you know, here, ye, here, ye, or whatever. Here, read all about it. Battle of Harper's Ferry ended and it was already weeks over. You just figured out what happened today. As soon as it starts, everyone knows. And so this is why we're having protests in London for Black Lives Matter, because it's really affecting many Western nations. So I don't know ultimately what this will turn into. But I think after everything we've seen for 2020, with all of these memes popping up, like the aliens are next, and then the asteroid, and then Yellowstone erupts, and I'm like, right, this year has been insane. The acceleration has been insane. I propose people sit down, shut up, and calm down. And I've been saying it the whole time. That's why I can't stand the Democrats. It's not going to change. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Where I live, I move to the suburbs. I'm outside of these cities and there were helicopters flying nearby my house as protesters marched, marched around squad cars and sirens. It actually came out to the suburbs. The uh, LA, LA Times reported there, the, these, these riots are coming to the suburbs in Chicago, in these suburbs, people are showing up from out of town. I know people who live in small suburbs, 40 miles outside of Chicago, who say outsiders are coming in and staging these protests. You think it won't happen, man. And maybe it won't. And I'll tell you what, I will gladly crawl under a rock and retire when, uh, when all this dies down and everyone starts holding hands under the rainbow. But I think we're going to see an escalation. So you do what you got to do. You think what you got to think. I'm going I'm to mind my own business and I'm going to complain about things on the internet, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I'll see you all then. Since the start of the COVID outbreak, we've seen many liberals rush to gun stores to pick up guns, many of them for the first time. According to the Washington Free Beacon, there's been about 6 million gun sales in three months, with 40% being first-time buyers. Some gun store owners are getting kind of frustrated over this. In fact, Steven Crowder, along with Sig Sauer, worked together to get me a Sig M400, which apparently is way over the top for me, who just wants to protect my house in the event of mass unrest like we've been seeing. Just want to keep myself and my friends and my family safe. The strange thing about all this is that many of these people who are now picking up weapons are liberals. 
Now, look, there's a big difference between whatever it is I am and someone like Tom Arnold, who's got raging Trump derangement syndrome. But Tom Arnold apparently has not only just called for the Second Amendment for everyone, but it seems like he's actually calling for armed insurrection against the federal government. Let me just tell you, TDS is terminal. Okay, look, look, it's one thing if a sane, rational person says that they want to discuss restrictions to make sure mentally ill people don't get weapons. Now, for the longest time, I agreed with that. And now I've backed off for a lot of reasons. I don't think that we can, we can, uh, uh, the argument that was put to me was we can't put restrictions on the second amendment, lest the government put restrictions on every other amendment. And then we have to recognize if you want these changes, you have to actually change the constitution. So that, that was me backing off. Then I came to a point where I saw all the chaos unfolding around me and said, I better, I better get armed myself. In which case, many of these laws and these discussions were misplaced. And they were rooted in a false sense of security, the idea that we were all going to be safe and, and, and okay. So I ultimately conceded that and said, yeah, man, we can't do it. The, the, look, there, there's maybe a conversation, but for the most part, with everything happening so fast, with Tom Arnold being nuts, you got to protect yourself. Now, here, here's the point I'm trying to make. There's a big difference between me saying, I just want to keep my house safe. I had someone trying to break in several months ago, last year or whatever. So it makes sense to be like, what am I going to do to make sure I can stay safe? Because the police are overwhelmed. Cops are resigning. The activists want the police to go away. Okay, fine. If you want to defund the police, I got to protect myself, right? Now, the difference here is that Tom Arnold apparently is calling for insurrection. Let me, let me show you what he said. Tom Arnold, I, I don't even know why this guy, whatever, says Second Amendment is for everyone, including black men with long guns. But it's effing time for us white liberal men to stand up for our brothers and sisters, borrow our dad's hunting rifles and go nose to nose with Trump's gang of misfit tools. Let's do it. Rob Reiner. What? (laughs) Rob Reiner and Tom Arnold borrowing their dad's rifles, which apparently is not even legal in wherever it is Tom Arnold lives. So where's he? Where's he? I don't know. He's in California or something. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know a lot about how the gun laws are, but I was told that you legally can't just take your dad's gun and then go march around with it, let alone could anyone go toe to go go nose to nose with federal police. Now, look, he's referencing this this tweet right here. They say completely unmarked officers in riot gear holding protesters blocks away from the White House. No badges, no insignias, no name tags, nothing. Refuse to tell us who they're with. Nah, man, I'm not okay with that. Government's got to have accountability. If you want to stand and carry a shield and a badge, I get to know who you are. Why? Well, the taxpayers are funding this. You're supposed to be of the people for the people. We have constitutional rights. I do not like what we're seeing here. And some people have said, yeah, well, Antifa's doxing people and blah, blah, blah. I don't care, man. I really look, I get it. I don't like the doxing. I don't like them coming after the officers, but we cannot have a civil society with unnamed, non-badged individuals wearing armor. How are you supposed to know whether they're cops or not? It's bad enough we have no-knock raids where cops come in with plain clothes and people lose their lives. Look, man, and I'll tell you this too. There are a lot of stories like Brianna Taylor and uh, Duncan uh, Lemp, I believe the name was. There's a bunch of stories of cops just barging in and shooting people. Not good. Can't have it. That should be one of the worst of the worst crimes for the government to commit. So I don't like this. I don't. But the idea that Tom Arnold is going to solve this 
by getting his dad's weapon and marching up to these guys is just a recipe for absurdity and disaster. Not that I think he'd ever actually do it. The other weird thing about it is, dude, just buy your own gun. Like, what, what, what do you mean borrow your dad's gun? What are you talking about? Are you, are you arguing that your dads are 2A aficionados, that they're Trump supporters or something, and they're armed, but you're not? Wait, and how old is your dad, Tom Arnold? Aren't you like 60? These people are insane. All right. Let me tell you what happens. Let me ask you a question. These people who are first for the longest time saying no guns, ban all guns. I've, I've never been all about that. Okay. I, I was of the position of a reasonable restriction, right? The idea being, Hey, if we've got mentally ill people, what can we implement? What I wasn't, you know, and then someone presented the constitutional argument for me. So I backed off. Now the issue is for me, the unnecessary, uh, the unintended consequences of a lot of these, these laws when COVID happened and they stopped processing background checks and stuff, apparently people weren't able to buy uh, weapons. And when they closed all these businesses, all of a sudden could, people couldn't buy it either. And that was kind of like a, a good wake up call to realize we may have good intentions on certain restrictions. The problem is the unintended consequences could restrict the rights of law abiding citizens. And therein lies the big problem. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you this, I'll fully admit it was a bit selfish urban city folk like me thinking everything was safe because the cops are always nearby. But I, I've, I've, always, I've always been aware of that point, right? I lived in rural Miami. I've talked to people about like what happens if someone breaks in your property because it happened to me and the cops aren't there. So that's when I started to kind of move off of the traditional liberal, hey man, everybody should be able to have you know guns under the second amendment, but restrictions. Now I'm, I'm totally off. Like, nah, nah, nah. I still think we want to make sure people who are unwell can't get weapons. I talked to an instructor in New Jersey who basically said we need probably uniformity nationwide, but smarter controls like, <clears throat> excuse me, laying off of a lot of the needless overbearing restrictions and coming up with a very simple process that makes it faster and easier. I'm not going to pretend to know what that is. I really, really don't. I've, I've never been big on paying attention to, to what happens with guns and gun culture and stuff. And hey, to my own detriment, right? Now that all hell's breaking loose and we saw a week of rioting and, pe- and people are going nuts and people like Tom Arnold are going nuts. Well, now everyone on the left, liberals, seem to realize the importance of being able to go and get a weapon. But here's, here's the point I'm trying to bring up. What do you think these people do who complain about the police and say, defund the police? They're screaming, defund the police, abolish the police. What do you think they do at, a, at the first sign of trouble? They yell, call the police. I'm not kidding. I got, I got a story for you, man. First, let me tell you this story. Some rioters, and, and, and these were really the lowest tier of rioters, were walking down the street. You know, they're, they're coming from a protest and they threw trash at someone's car. It wasn't like a brick through a window, but they threw trash at someone's car. The guy stops and turns around. And all of a sudden, these like 19 year old Black Lives Matter lefties are like, call the cops, man. Call the police. It's like, bro, you were just at a rally yelling, defund the police. You're going to call them now? That's the epitome of privilege. You don't realize how good you have it. The guy pulls around in his car and jumps out with some kind of wrist-mounted quadro sword. It's like he's got four blades on his wrist. I don't even know this guy's what he's wielding. I don't know if you would call that some kind of fist weapon with blades on it. And he starts charging at these young these young people, and so and they're yelling, "Call the cops, bro!" Do you realize what it would be like if there were no police? Now, now I, I get it. I get it. We talked about it. There's a potential for, you know, reform. Most people in this country support reforms. Absolutely. However, 90% don't actually want to see the police numbers reduced. So reforms simply mean like procedural reforms, 
uh, you know, maybe bail reforms, things like that. Not that we saw success with that in New York City, but the point is people want to try and do better. I bring you now to the utopian vision of people like Tom Arnold. Black protester dies after being hit by a car during a George Floyd demonstration in California, sparking outrage that cops do not arrest the white driver seen on video preparing to smoke as the victim lay bleeding. They say Robert Forbes passed away in a hospital Saturday, three days after he was hit by a car in Bakersfield. A white driver ran into Forbes after 10 p.m. on Wednesday while he was participating in a George Floyd march. Officers did not arrest the driver at the scene and are still investigating. Video evidence reportedly shows the driver was not traveling above the speed limit at the time of the collision, and he was not under the influence. The story, as I understand it, and it's tragic, man. I'm sad for this guy. He's lost his life. I like protesters. Like, I, I like people who exercise their First Amendment, be it the anti-lockdown protesters or Black Lives Matter protesters, 100%. That's the Constitution, baby. First Amendment. If you want to come out and protest peacefully, I'm all for it. If you want to engage in civil disobedience, which includes obstructing roadways, I am all for it. You will be arrested. That's the line where we say like, hey, you can't do this. And if you do, you'll be arrested. It's nonviolent. It, it jams some people up. And it really is that point of pressure that can help make positive change without causing permanent damage. In this regard, we can see the unintended consequences. It seems according to multiple stories I've read, the guy was driving like normal. This guy was in the road, didn't see him, I guess, and hit him. And this guy died. It's, it's sad. The protesters immediately demand the police arrest the guy. Well, there it is. Let's take a look at what happened in Omaha. A bar owner comes out to see someone shove his dad. So then he says, like, hey, who shoved my dad? And they, they start threatening him. He shows that he's armed. So two guys lunge at him and then he fires, apparently fires a warning shot. Now, my understanding as well is you never fire warning shots because you're responsible. If you aim your gun up and point it in the sky or whatever, that bolt's coming down somewhere. So he, he fires a warning shot. Two guys run off, but then someone jumps on him. He apparently gets knocked. I guess, I guess he gets knocked on his stomach and he aims over his head and fires and he hits the dude on, who was on top of him in the neck, killing him. What do the, what do the protesters then demand? They demand the police get involved and arrest him. So I'll tell you what, man, when we see these people come out now, totally in, it's the, you know what, man, I'm just, there's no principle. There's no guiding for, I have no idea what they want, man. Because you know what happens after they go and burn everything down? Minneapolis mayor to seek federal aid after looters cause at least $55 million in damage. You know what, dude? If you still live in Minneapolis or New York City or any of these cities, man, I got no empathy for you. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. Let me take that back. If you're in the process of trying to stage an exodus from these cities, I feel for you. If you are choosing to stay in these places, I will not have empathy for you. There's a big protest where they, they asked the mayor of, of Minneapolis whether or not he will, disband, uh, he, will defund the pol- he will defund the police. But then they went on to say, we don't want no more cops coming in our neighborhoods armed with guns, yada, yada. He said, I do not support the total, you know, uh, uh, complete abolition of the police. And they all start booing him. All right, man. You don't want cops. But when someone harms you, you want cops. Do you know what life would be like if you did not have them? Someone would get hit by a car and they'd be like, who are you going to call? Later. That's it. We can talk about reforming the police. Totally makes sense. But getting rid of them, that makes no sense. And now because of all of this uh, destruction, they want the federal government to pay for it. That means they want us to pay for it. Listen, man, Minneapolis, Democrat city, we could say it over and over again, but you've got now these liberals 
who have seemingly abandoned everything they've been fighting for over the past, I don't know what, 10, 20 years. Now they're saying abolish the police. You know, some of them are actually are actually calling for private police. I kid you, I kid you not. I'm seeing people on Twitter say that we should be able to be responsible for our own defense and hire our own community groups. And I'm like, bro, you're taking the libertarian argument of private police forces. I'm not, I don't like that idea. How would that work? I mean, it actually might make sense. You could theoretically have private police departments. One of the ideas I heard was about voucher, uh, voucher police forces. So the way it would work is you've got multiple departments in your area. Everyone pays taxes. Taxes are progressive. So rich people pay a little bit more uh, percentage wise, and then poor people pay a little bit less or none, but everyone gets an equal voucher. You then give that voucher to the department you like the best. And if they mistreat you, then you next time, you know, next month or whatever, you give your voucher to a different department. That voucher is basically a check from the government. It's cash. I don't know if that idea would work. And one of the challenges is that competing departments, what, you know, we can't have one department. Be like, That's my customer. I'm going to give you a, a, you know, a free, a free pass because you pay my bills. It, it, I, don't, I don't know how that would work. It really does seem like we do need a uniform a separate neutral arbiter, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. So I'm, I'm totally for reforms. But could you imagine what would happen if they abolished the police outright? Because that's what they're calling for. They're not saying straight up, you know, reform. Some activists are. No, the, the, the louder activists are saying abolish them. So here we can see liberals defending the Second Amendment and wanting to get rid of the cops. How long until they get rid of whatever? It, how long until they oppose the progressive tax? Because they don't like the idea that it's unfair, a disproportionate amount of, ta- of their taxes goes towards, say, I don't know, the military, which oppresses marginalized communities. I'd love to see it, man. Them kind of like waking up. The problem is, I don't think what we're seeing with people like Tom Arnold is principle. I think we're seeing absurdist reactionary politics where they just want to oppose. It's contrarian politics, really. Everything Trump does is wrong, and that's all they will ever be. That That's that's. God, I, I feel like it's got to be on purpose. You know what I mean? The way I was saying it before is like, think about it this way. A broken clock is right twice a day, huh? But how do you be wrong every single time? Like, that's got to be a conscious decision, I guess. What I don't like is what what happens when they say, okay, we're going to abolish the police because they are. The, the city council in Minneapolis is proposing this. And now they want us, the federal government, to pay for it. You know, man, I see a lot of people saying no. Absolutely not. I see a lot of people defending the riots and it's just so, so annoying. I see my own family members supporting the looting and the rioting. And it's like, you hypocrites, man. They don't understand what it's like to grow up in the hood. They don't, they don't understand what it's actually like. I've got family that grew up in the suburbs, you know, suburban white folk family members who have no idea what life is really like in the hood, in the ghetto. They don't understand what racism is really like in the, in, in the city, in Chicago. Everybody's racist. You got white racists, you got Asian racists, you got black racists, you got Mexican racists. Everybody seems to hate each other. It sucks. Now, we, we, we had a cool thing going on in my neighborhood for the most part, but yeah, a lot of racism. These people have no idea what they're talking about when they say defund the police. I've had a lot of problems with cops in my life. I've had cops kick the door into my apartment, storm in, guns drawn, and yelling at us about somebody who didn't even live there anymore. How is that legal? I filed a complaint. Nothing happens. Yeah, it sucks. I've had cops give me false tickets. I've had cops try to plant drugs in my car. Yeah, it's, it's nightmarish. And I've also had cops respond when I, you know, uh, when I've had, say, thefts, when someone stole 
something very important to me. I called the police. They came, filed a report. It's the best they could have done. But hey, I'm glad they were able to do it. They were on the lookout to try and recover these things for me. And I've had on undercover or plainclothes cops actually stop a mugging in progress. Some guys trying to mug me. So I'm not going to pretend like the world is all Skittles and candy canes. I'm going to straight up say I'm glad that there are cops there when I need them. And I'm going to straight up say reforms probably make sense. Now I'm of the of, of the you know of the position where I once thought we'd be safe in our big cities because you do have police. Now you can't rely on them. It's the funniest thing to me that many people on the left are just overtly pro 2A now. But the weirdest thing is how it's like not even uniform among the left. There was a there, there was a there's a post going around. It's really funny. And it's a skinny white guy with a with like an AR-15 or something. Actually, I think it's like an M-16. And he pulls his underwear open, looks down sad, and then puts the gun in his pants. And I'm like, no one I know who buys weapons looks that way. And the funny thing is, if I was going to ask you to describe somebody who owns a gun, what would you imagine? Like if you actually paid attention, if I asked you to describe someone who didn't, like an Antifa versus, you know, a right wing gun instructor, it's like, first, listen, man, there's a group called Legally Armed in Detroit. All right. And the photo of them, they're all reasonably fit looking adult black men. Like the one dude's crouching down. He looks like he hits the gym. All right. I don't think that's a dude who's who feels inadequate. I think he's a dude who feels strong and he likes having power and he, he, he works out. He earns it. And you look at Antifa and what are they? Gaunt, frail, with with deep bags under their eyes and frail, little disheveled arms. They can't even do a push up. I know I'm, I'm being uh, I'm exaggerating a bit, but come on, seriously. You ever see the video of the Proud Boy fighting the Antifa guy where he winds up and then boom, hits the guy right in the face? When you look at the Proud Boys, they're not scrawny. They, they, got, they got too much testosterone. That's why it's funny about what these people think. It's like they're making fun of gun people, but they're trapped in their own bubble and they have no idea what conservatives or moderates or regular Americans actually think. And I'll tell you this, man. I posted this clip about the social justice people all chanting mindlessly. And there's this dude I know. And he was like, I'm not going to watch that because I know the truth. And I'm like, you're in a cult, bro. Just watch the video. No, I don't need to because I know the truth. I'm like, dude, that's exactly what occultists would say. Just watch the video. Nah, they don't want to do it. These people are in a cult, man. Now, some of this, it's a mix of weird ideological cultism and I guess just contrarian politics. So I'll tell you what, please, Tom Arnold, Rob Reiner, don't go get your dad's hunting rivals and go stand nose to nose against federal law enforcement of some capacity. It's, I don't understand how these are the people who are complaining about you. You, you have these conservatives and two way people who are saying the Second Amendment is to protect against tyranny. And now you have literally Tom Arnold advocating for being that guy. It's like, bro, Tom, listen, you're an old white dude who wants to go get a gun and challenge the federal government. Do you understand what that sounds like? You're weird. Please stop. Anyway, man, it's Sunday. Times have, uh, uh, things have chilled out quite a bit. Apparently, the protests in D.C. were like a tenth of the size of what was expected. They were saying there's going to be a million people and then like 10,000 showed up. So, I mean, good on people to go protest, but not really that big. I'll leave it there, man. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 10. Uh, I'm sorry, at 4 p.m. at TimCast.net. Check it out. It's my main channel, and I will see you all then. I find it really funny that many people are on Twitter saying that we are currently entering the Inquisition, the moment when social justice activists begin spreading out, reaching in their tendrils into private conversations to destroy you. 
to figure out who the heretics really are. I think it's funny because it's been happening for like a decade and it's only been getting worse over the past several years. No, I think we're well beyond inquisition. For sure, people are spying on conversations and they're hunting you down on social media. But this is something else. Take a look at this here picture, a tweet that says, quote, washing the feet of the organizers and asking for forgiveness in Cary, North Carolina. You know, it's funny. I see all of these photos and videos of people literally bending the knee. There are very few things for which you will get me to fall to my knees for. I thought about this and admittedly, you know, if someone pointed a gun at my head and said, get on your knees now, put your hands up or something, I'd probably do it out of just general self-preservation. But when it comes to political, uh, and admittedly, not every single situation, like I thought about it because like if the cops showed up and they were like on your knees now, I'd be like, yeah, okay, because I have a general expectation about what's going to happen next if I don't and what will happen if I do. Ultimately, that if the cops order me on my knees and I get arrested, I've been arrested before. It's not the end of the world. It's annoying. And I'll get out of the police department. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think I'm going to die. Granted, if it was like some zealous extremist telling me to drop to my knees or else, I probably wouldn't do it. So there are rare circumstances in which you would get me to bend my knee. This, this ain't one of them. Sorry, folks, I'm not joining your cult and you will never get me on bended knee washing anyone's feet. Sorry, not gonna happen. Wouldn't even do it for people that I love. But these people are doing it. And there's the police. Talk about creepy. This is a cult. Okay, sweep of the nation. The Inquisition's been going on for a while. They'll destroy your life. They'll take away your income. They'll shut down your websites and the cliffs have been steadily eroding. I imagine it's only a matter of time before they come for me. I posted some edgy memes. I'll show you some of these edgy memes. Well, not really memes. I posted some silly joke making fun of these people. But let me show you more of how freakish this is. Take a look at this video. Police chief Michael Shaw has surrendered. My jaw is on the floor. Webster PA must be so proud. This is the Democratic Party. The police chief laid on his stomach and put his hands behind his back. Yikes, man. That's all I can say. They are coming to defund the police, abolish the police. These are radicals of extremist ideology, and they want you laying on your belly with your hands behind your back. Listen, I don't like when the police do this to unarmed black men that results in their death. I don't want to see anyone else being put in these positions. We are a country of people that were created equally under God with God given rights. So what does that really mean? It means, hey, man, you stand up, I stand up. We shake hands. We get along. We have mutual respect. So long as we can live together, we'll figure out how to compromise. This is something else. Groups of people all chanting. Now, you may say to me, but this was just an attempt at de-radicalizing or not necessarily, but de-escalating things. In fact, this may actually radicalize. That's the point I wanted to make. You might say this cop was just trying to prevent riots, man. Okay. You know what they yell? You know what they yell in this? It's not enough, but it's a start. It's not enough for you to lay on your stomach with your hands behind your back or even wash their feet. It'll never be enough. Let me show you what will never be enough. In this video I posted to Instagram, what do we see? You got a bunch of people with their hands in the air as they chant mindlessly about the tenets of their new dogma. I will cherish and respect my neighbor. Blah, blah. It's, it's, it's cult 101, man. So no, I'm not going to join your cult. And I'll tell you what, when I posted this, 
about some people I know on Facebook. Many people saw it and were like, they were shocked. Whoa, this is creepy stuff, man. Is this really what's going on? Oh, yeah, you betcha. This is what's going on. You are not looking at some reasonable, you know, liberty minded individuals who are saying civil rights for all. This is uh, what, what was the saying from that uh, famous activist? This ain't your daddy's civil rights movement, I think he said. I can't remember who said that. Might have been Killer Mike, but I don't want to put the words in his mouth. It's not. You see, the civil rights movement of the past was focused on, say, negative rights, for instance. Now, it's not absolute in, in you know, terms of negative and positive rights, but I'll tell you what I've been seeing, which I find rather disconcerting. The civil, the civil rights movement of the 1960s and, and, and before into the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was about, for the most part, negative rights. If you're not familiar, it basically means things the government can't do. So the easiest way to explain negative and positive rights would be if I have a negative right to life, that means you aren't allowed to kill me. If I have a positive right to life, that means if I am dying, you are obligated to help me. You see the difference there. One is about compelling someone to do something, and the other is about stopping something from happening. The origin. So, so I want to make sure it's clear. Not every single thing we saw was either negative or positive, but it tended to be. The 1964 Civil Rights Act said you can't do these things in public accommodation and the government can't do these things, which meant you do you, I do me, we live and let live. Today, we have something entirely different. Today, we have advocacy for positive rights, like health care as a human right would be a positive right. I have a right for you to do something for me. That doesn't make sense. That's taking away the freedom of someone else. Worse still, is the granting of universities the ability to do things. If we said a negative right, universities cannot discriminate on the basis of gender, race, or identity, or national origin, I'm like, sounds good to me. What we've done now with these Harvard lawsuits is we've actually granted the positive right for them to discriminate under the same uh, guide, uh, guiding principles. I said, well, it's not, it's not even about guiding principles. Under the, uh, uh, using the mask of civil rights, They have now given the ability of universities to specifically say people of a certain race can't be employed. Let's talk about what. uh, uh, So let's let's talk about what these jobs are now doing. I've seen people straight up say they want to hire and they'll only hire X. Alex Sohanian of Reddit, for instance, you may have heard this. The CEO of Reddit said that he was going to vacate his board member position and he wants them to appoint someone who is black. Some people have argued that a board position isn't a real job. Therefore, they're allowed to do it. But I'm not so sure. That's probably an EEO violation, equal employment. I I believe it's called the Equal Employment Office. It's a violation of civil rights law. You can't say only person X. But that's what we're seeing. Positive rights. That if you are a certain race, you must be given this thing. And they're discriminating against other people. So essentially, What they're basically doing, to put it simply, is they're erasing the 1964 Civil Rights Act. I'm not a fan. I happen to like the idea. People have asked me about the bakery, right? The bakery didn't want to make a custom cake for a gay wedding. I actually, like most liberals at the time, thought that was wrong. Today, no, they think it's right. Let me me break it down for you. Listen, you've you've got identitarians on the left. They want policy based on race. They want law protecting and granting privileges to race. So so listen, here's how I see it. If you're in public, 
You're using public infrastructure. My taxes contribute to the, to the roads, to the pipes. I get it if you're a libertarian, you don't agree. But for now, here's what we have. I pay taxes so that you have security, so that the police protect your business, so that the fire department is there if your business is burning down, so that the roads function, the internet functions, the pipes function, all of these things covered by taxpayers and, you know, the, na- the, the national defense. So if you're going to use things that I contribute to, you should be able to accommodate me the same as you would literally any other, any other person. I like the idea of people being treated equally under the law and in public. There is a lot of interesting libertarian arguments, I think, for why a business should be allowed to do whatever they want. I'm not a fan. I do not believe a business should be able to say, because of your identity, you do not get equal treatment here. What do we see from this? The left no longer is liberal because the same mentality of them saying only this type of person can be served here is the same. It's, it's what I argued against. Some, sh- some are arguing, and, and, and this is a really, really strange flippening of the polls. The left says they only want to hire certain races, and many people on the right say you can't do that. I'm not going to act like every person on the right is a, is a monolith or the left is a monolith, for sure. All I can tell you is what I think, and here's what I think. If a gay couple goes to a bakery, and the baker says, I won't write a custom message. I really do respect the argument that it's a free speech thing, that you can't force the person. That was, that was the heart of the case. A lot of people don't know this. The baker didn't want to write a specific message, but he offered them up any cake he already had. So he was willing to accommodate them. But he wasn't willing to accommodate them equally like he would anyone else. If I asked him to write, you know, you know a, a super duper cake, you know, or whatever, just a random phrase, he'd be like, okay, if you said, you know, Dave and Jim getting married, he says no. Whether or not he supports or opposes the ideology has nothing to do with providing an equal uh, treatment under the law. I'm in favor of equal treatment. I understand the, the real conundrum there. It's tough, but I tend to lean in that direction because you're getting benefits from a society that we all pitch into. Think about if you're in favor of this, what that results in. All of a sudden now we have the left saying, aha, well, private businesses can ban you. They say, aha, then I can hire whoever I want for my company. And there's a really complicated problem there if we don't treat people equally. Let me just tell you what, that, why I have a problem with all of this. It's an inversion to where we were 10 years ago. You see, the civil libertarians, the John Stewart types are older and aging. And the left is being replaced by safetyists, I guess it's called, social justice warriors that would actually tear down a statue of Winston Churchill for his perceived wrongdoings. The dude who literally defeated the Nazis. I mean, I get it. The U.S. was heavily involved in stopping them. But come on, man. That's where we are today. I don't I don't know. What, look at this. Churchill is trending in New Jersey. Crazy. I don't know what to expect, but I can tell you this. The Inquisition is has been here for a long time and it's going to start getting physical. The cult is expanding. I thought it was dying. I was wrong. The next segment coming up, we'll talk about J.K. Rowling resisting the cult. And boy, do they want to burn the witch. Stick around. I'll see you on a few minutes. J.K. Rowling, once the queen of knee bending SJWs, has come out and respectfully defended the rights of biological females. She also defended the rights of trans people. But that in the social justice world is a hell worthy trespass. They're now basically trying to destroy her. And they have been because she defends the rights of people who are female bodied or whatever the PC terminology is. I don't know. J.K. Rowling is a woman. 
And she said her experiences are shaped by being a woman and that she has nothing but respect for trans people, but she wants her rights protected. And the mob on Twitter has come for the throat. But here's, the, here, here's what I'll tell you. I'm glad she's finally stepping up. It's not the first time. She tweeted in favor of some woman who had her contract. Uh, they wouldn't renew her contract because she had made similar statements about biological females. And then she got canceled. J.K. Rowling disappeared off Twitter for a while. Well, she's finally come back saying, no, enough. She's talked to her friends and her friends have said, stand up to the mob. And she is. This gives me hope. But I mean, they're really coming for her. Let, let, let me read to you what she said and we'll explain this. Variety says J.K. Rowling gets backlash over anti-trans tweets. It's just not true. It's just not true at all. She posted nothing that was anti-trans, but the Inquisition has been here for some time. Stop pretending like it just started. Many people are calling out Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling for a series of anti-trans tweets on Saturday afternoon. Rowling's latest controversy began when she commented on an article from Devix, a media platform for the global development community, titled Opinion, Creating a More Equal Post-COVID-19 World for People Who Menstruate. She said, quote, people who menstruate, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wumben, wimpund, womaned, Rowling tweeted. I actually thought that was a pretty sassy joke. I liked it. Wiffman, whiffs, many, many other ancient words that no longer exist. People on Twitter immediately called Rowling's comments anti-trans and transphobic as transgender people, non-binary people, and gender non-conforming people can also menstruate. Rowling followed that tweet up by criticizing the idea that someone's biological sense isn't real. And I'll point out to you, postmenopausal women don't menstruate, so are they no longer women? What, what do you call them? Non-menstruating women? Female? Like, come on, man. Here's what she said. If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. The idea that women like me, who've been em uh, empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequences is a nonsense. She added that she respects trans people's right to live comfortably and later struck out at people calling her a turf a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Oh boy, the cultists are getting angry about this one. How could you be more polite than what J.K. Rowling said? I assert my life, who I am, what I feel, ain't nobody gonna take me down. But I respect you if you would like to live the way you want. Truly a civil libertarian type position. Let me live the way I want and explain to you how I feel and I will do the same for you. It's not enough. The cult demands blood. The witch must burn. She said, I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it is hateful to say so. Someone responded, takes one turf to know another, I guess. To which J.K. Rowling responded, feminazi, turf, B word, witch, Times change, women hate is eternal. The LGBTQ rights organization GLAAD responded to Rowling's comments, saying the author has aligned herself with an ideology that willfully distorts facts about gender identity and people who are trans. In 2020, there is no excuse for targeting trans people. What did she say? These people are insane. They are, they are disgusting cultists. 
who will make you sit on the ground on bended knee, washing their feet, raising your hands, mindlessly chanting. Well, I, for one, will never do that. Not for these people. No, no siree. You see, J.K. Rowling didn't say anything negative about trans people. She simply said, please, can I have my lived experience? And they said, no. Who would want to live that way? I don't know, man. But this stuff's expanding. Glad listed several black trans organizations for people to make donations and ended by saying people should check out Percy Jackson and author Rick Riordan if they need a summer read. You really think people should read Percy Jackson over Harry Potter? I got to admit, Harry Potter was some good books when I was younger. It was fun. It's fun to read. There's a reason why J.K. Rowling was a billionaire. I say was because I think she gave away some of her money and now she's just like a 999 millionaire or whatever. But anyway, the point is the Percy Jackson books I've not read. I've seen the movies. They're okay. But come on, man. Harry Potter was a global phenomenon. You're just mad that your cult lost someone. They try to force you to their will through fear and threats, and they use articles like this to destroy you. You know what? I'm surprised it took J.K. Rowling this long to stand up because she's got a big old bag of F.U. money. She could sit back on her own private island with her fingers up in the air indefinitely and saying whatever she wants and never have to worry about a thing. I mean, unless, of course, uh, of course, the Inquisition turns into, I don't know, like a Robespierre style beheading spree. That's what you can be, be afraid of. That's when your money is worth nothing. But as they try to, uh, I would say, but right now we don't have much to worry about except and until they disband the police. And then the woke, you know, you know, let me go back to Evergreen College. You remember that Evergreen College where uh, Brett Weinstein was ousted, even though he's a progressive, they were patrolling with weapons, baseball bats and crowbars, and they actually beat someone with a baseball bat. That's what they want. They want their version of religious police or Sharia police. They want ideological enforcement. No cops, just Antifa. That'll, that'll, that'll get you in line, right? Here, look at this. What is this? By the way, looking for some summer reading, Percy Jackson author Rick Reardon isn't transphobic. And what, what did he say? If you had gender dysphoria in your kids' books, you might sell more. Remember, it is parents who buy them. Uh-huh. And? Oh, and then he's like, oh, okay. I see the guy is outlining statements and like calling it out or whatever. Rowling has come under fire for voicing similar opinions before in December. She received backlash for supporting a researcher who lost her job. Okay, okay. For, you know what, Variety? Let me tell you something. You don't even know the story. A woman had her contract expire. When she wanted to get it renewed, they said no. And it was because of the tweets she had said. Not, she didn't get fired. They didn't sever her contract. They just wouldn't renew it. There's a big difference. But if you don't know, you don't know. They say, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to read this. I want to show you this here tweet. Here's what this tweeter said. It's 17th century. Uh, I'm not going to read the, their, their name. Sorry. But they referenced a tweet from some people who got a professor suspended for asking obvious logical questions. When you flood the universities with people who never had any business there in the first place, don't be surprised when in their resentment, uh, resentment, they hollow out everything that ever was useful about the place and wear the remains as a skin suit. Ooh. Here's this person who tweeted. This is an email reply from Professor Gordon Klein, who teaches at the UCLA Anderson School of Management, signed the petition to get his ass fired. Here's what he said in the email. Thanks for your suggestion in your email that I give black students special treatment given the tragedy in Minnesota. Do you know the names of the classmates that are black? 
How can I identify them since we've been having online classes only? Are there any students that may be of mixed uh, parentage, such as half black, half Asian? What do you suggest I do with respect to them? A full concession or just half? (laughs) Let me let me back up so I can read better. Also, do you have any idea if any students are from Minneapolis? I assume they probably are especially devastated as well. I'm thinking that a white student from there might possibly be even more devastated by this, especially because some might think that they're racist, even if they are not. My teaching teaching assistant is from Minneapolis. So if you don't know, I can probably ask her. Can you guide me on how you think I should achieve a no harm outcome since our sole course grade is for from a final exam only? One thing strikes me. Remember that MLK famously said that people should not be evaluated based on the color of their skin. Do you think that your request request would run afoul of MLK's admonition? Thanks. Well, guess what? They suspended him. Apparently, they said that. uh, Let me read it. Professor Klein is currently on leave from campus and his courses have been reassigned. Well, there it is. The Inquisition. But this is a little bit more than that. They want to punish the heresy. Well, you know what, Klein? I appreciate you voicing your civil libertarian type ideals. I appreciate you standing up to the mob because more people need to do it. But if only people did it in the first place, I'll tell you what, New York Times, fire every single one of these people or your institution will collapse from the inside. They are hollowing you out to wear you like a skin suit. That's funny. I love how I love that phrase, that that, that phrasing of things. That's what's happening, baby. If you won't do anything to stop it, if you bend the knee and wash their feet, then you will leave behind burning ruins for your children. The same goes to liter- the same thing goes for literally everyone else. If you're sitting in your comfortable home saying, I'm not going to do anything or stand up for this, then don't be surprised if your kids are left with nothing but burned ruins. In that regard, I recognize I could probably do more, but I do think I do a lot because I talk passionately about this and perhaps I'm shining a light on, on, on this, this slime that is spreading across our society. Maybe I could do more and we'll see how things play out. I'm definitely going to be voting. Probably something I wouldn't have done, I didn't do in 2016, but I'll do it now. So you know what, man? I'm not going to give myself any special treatment. Just, just, just know we're heading towards decayed ruins for our children. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. Now, this I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't know how to feel about this. So I actually will defer to most of you to comment and give me your thoughts. Citizen patrols organize across Minneapolis as confidence in police force plummets. Now, here's my conflicted feelings. I actually don't mind the idea of citizens becoming more responsible for themselves, taking up arms. It's their right under the Constitution. I've definitely moved to the right on the two-way argument for sure. As you can tell, as Crowder and Sig Sauer are sending me a Sig M400, I think you know where my position now ends up. So I can respect all of this. I really, really can. It's, it's, it's rather amazing to see this kind of like waking up moment for the left, uh, mostly the left, onto getting armed. I do have a concern, though. I do think we need police. I think we have problems with police. And I am concerned about a large group of untrained individuals now taking up arms. Should there be something we do for for these groups? Like maybe you as an individual can be allowed to bear arms. But maybe if you want to form a community watch, you at least give your names to some kind of department or police department. The name of your group, maybe. And the, and the reason for it is not not for a background check kind of thing or any kind of like, uh, um, you know, restrictions or licensing, just like liaising. Like the, the, the point I'm bringing up here is 
How can we maintain communication between groups and a cohesive adherence to the law if people aren't in direct communication? So my concern is a bunch of random groups walking around and then people making assumptions about who each other is and what they're doing. And they're all armed and looking for criminals. Ultimately, I don't know how to feel about it. I really don't. Because we've talked about abolishing the police and the potential for these kinds of armed patrols to do their own thing. And that it might actually be a good thing. I've actually had conservatives say, you know what? I like the idea of people defending themselves, buying their own guns, defending the Second Amendment, and standing up for their communities. At the same time, how do you deal with external threats? How do you deal with one community coming into your community? And what happens if gang violence breaks out? So I do think we need police. But let's, let's read this story from the Washington Post. They say, Minneapolis, it's approaching 2 a.m. And city council member Jeremiah Ellison is patrolling his neighborhood in a black sedan when the smell of smoke wafts through the open driver's side window. Several black-owned businesses had been destroyed in his area, considered the heart of the city's black community. In recent fires that investigators have deemed suspicious, neighbors suspect right-wing militias, and social media has been abuzz with purported but unverified sightings of masked white men in pickup trucks holding semi-automatic assault rifles. The rumors have only fueled the unease that has spread through this community since the death of George Floyd. Now Ellison, the son of former Congressman Keith Ellison, is on patrol, hoping to catch the next fire before it destroys another business owner's livelihood. He's also ready to contend with danger or uh, of the human sort, if, if, if needed. As the car fills with the acrid scent of burning chemicals, Ellison tells his friends in the driver's seat to pull over. Before they come to a stop, Ellison flings open the door and jumps out with a pistol in one hand and a small fire extinguisher in the other. He walks briskly down the street, scanning the block for the origin of the fumes. I was excited to fight over the budget. I don't think anybody could have pictured this, Ellison later said, noting that even as, city, uh, as a city official, he can't control how the police respond to the fires and other threats. This was something I could do. Now think about that for a second. He saw a fire. So he jumped out with a gun in his hand. Do police do this? They might. Sometimes they do. Typically, I see police keep their hand on their holster. Here's a guy who jumps out with a gun, not wearing a uniform in plain clothes. How would, how would an average person feel and how should they feel? That's the challenging question. I can certainly respect someone's right to bear arms. How would you react? And I mean this sincerely. If you saw a dude, I don't care if he's black, white, Asian, Latino, whatever, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, jumping out with a gun in their hand, what would your immediate response be? I think a lot of people would be, on, would be alert for better or for worse. I know, I know they say an armed society is a polite society, but how do you know when you're being threatened or want to take a threat seriously? That's a serious challenge. Now you've got, you're going to have a bunch of people jumping out of cars, regular citizens, and they're going to be armed. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it makes people be much more fearful of committing crimes. The other thing I want to point out here is the fear of these rumors of armed white militias. That's where things get worrisome for me. I understand the arguments about having a police force. And I think there's a big difference between having a firearm in a rural area versus having it in a, 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 an urban area. The problem with these urban areas are large groups of large groups of people from all sides. Like, okay, here's what I'm trying to say. In, in Minneapolis, you have a dense population, not as dense as New York. You got a ton of people walking around all the time. And if shots rang out or something happened, you wouldn't know where it was coming from. And that could potentially lead to chaos because there's too many people. How you solve for this, I really don't know. 
That's why I said I don't know how to feel about this. I, I don't know how I should feel about this. But I do think I have some concerns if these people are going around self-described Antifa who are scared of right wing white militias. Are we going to come to a point where someone accuses someone else of being part of the ideological other? And then what happens? Could this escalate into something more serious? Well, the police actually are opposed to this. So for the most part, I don't know what to tell you, man. Citizen patrols to backup officers will hinder police efforts, police say, from Fox News. They say a citizen movement to aid police in their efforts to control protesters by organizing armed patrols will be a hindrance, a Midwestern police force spokesman said Monday. We appreciate any support for law enforcement, but we want to be able to do our job and we don't want anybody to try and try to do our job. Now, this is from Rapid City. uh, 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 Andy Becker told the Rapid City Journal Monday morning. The police believe armed civilian patrols could encourage protesters who had no plans to show up, Becker said. Instead, he discouraged armed citizens from helping, especially if any violent protests occur. We need to be able to do our job to contain the problem and issue. And having folks threatening to take matters into their own hands actually only makes it harder for us to do the job. Now, this isn't about the armed Black Lives Matter patrols. It's about what we've seen with regular community members taking up arms and staying in their own neighborhoods, or more importantly, people who are 2A defenders and activists, both white and black, showing up to protest to defend buildings or otherwise. The cops are saying it's going to make things worse. Now, I'm not sure that should matter. I mean, just because a cop says it doesn't mean you got to do it. And I think ultimately your safety is your responsibility. Becker spoke to the newspaper as a crowd of protesters, some carrying weapons, began to gather around 11 a.m. The group, now 5,500 members since being established Sunday, expressed concerns about the protesters, such as whether the protesters group included people from out of state and had arrived in caravans of cars and buses, the report said. Rapid City said, we are aware of rumors posted on social media about out of state looters and rioters coming to Rapid City. We have found no evidence to substantiate these claims. Know that the RCPD stands ready to protect this community should anyone try to victimize it. However, rumors of busloads of out-of-town protesters were false. The city's police said law enforcement monitored for buses, but found no evidence of them. Well, I'll tell you something. Out in the Chicago suburbs, I have gotten reports from people very close to me that outsiders are coming in and protesting in their towns, and they don't even live there. Now, these haven't necessarily devolved into riots, but think about what this means. I got to admit, man, uh, I'm not optimistic about the future. Here's my fear. Agitators go into big cities and loot and, uh, and vandalize and destroy. And then they send representatives to other districts and, and, and suburbs to protest because the people who live there will be in fear of riots breaking out. What do they want? I don't know, but I can tell you this. Friends and family have told me in Chicago suburbs, outside groups have been staging protests in their town and they don't know why. And the town has said, you don't live here. Why are you protesting here? And they say, because we have a right to do it. And they do. They do have a right to do it. The First Amendment in this country, you don't got to live in that town to walk around that town. But it's putting people on edge. And I think this may actually get more people active. So ultimately, what's the worst case scenario? I guess a bunch of dumb people who aren't trained shooting each other. Mm, I don't know. That's like a that's like a traditional liberal argument about gun control. In the end, I think humans have Americans have to become resilient and better understand what's happening with all this stuff. You can't just say we're scared. Therefore, no one can do it. The best case scenario, I suppose, is an educated, informed and armed population defending themselves, a reduction in police brutality, a polite society and a bolstered national defense against external threats. This is why I said in the beginning, I don't know how to feel about this. Does the potential for uh, problems 
outweigh the benefits that may arise from this? Are there very little benefits or are there substantially more benefits? I can't tell you. What I can tell you is two things. I will not be joining as of now any kind of community march or any kind of watch group or anything like that. But I am going to be getting uh, to be getting my hands on a, a rifle, notably thanks to Steven Crowder and Sig Sauer again, uh, a Sig M400. I have no idea what it is <laughs> for the most part. I've played the video game The Division, so I know some guns, but I'm not a gun person. This, the, you know, look, I, I had my intention of getting some standard home defense. There, there's there's some potentials there, and then Crowder pulled some strings to get me some, what, what he says is like the Cadillac of guns, like a really really nice one. I'm gonna make sure that I have proper training. I'm going to make sure that it's going to be properly in a safe with, with, with very, very strong security. And I'm going to make sure I do everything above and beyond what someone should do when they have a weapon of this caliber, of this, of this power. I know a lot of people won't. And I know there's a lot of, a, a lot of people who don't. Do, oh, man, do I have stories. You know, I used to have a, uh, uh, an air compression 22 pellet single shot. It was mostly for... Uh, Varmints, is that the right word? Rodents on my property. I had chickens and I had critters coming around and, and, and stealing stuff. And so for the most part, it, was, it wasn't really to, 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 to kill any of these animals. It was just to get them out of there, you know? Loud bang helped. And I've had stupid friends pick this thing up and point it around like it was a toy. And it's not. I get it. The 22 pellet rifles in the end of the world, but there's no reason someone should be pointing it at people. And that's ridiculous. And that's, what, that's, what, that's what's worrisome about this. You get these city folk who have no respect you know, for firearms, no training, no understanding. While I've never been a big gun person, I have gone through hostile environment training. I understand the power. So, so I'll tell you what, I'm not going to join any of this stuff. I have no interest in that. I just want to keep my, my friends, my family and my house safe. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Other people might take it more seriously. So again, I throw it to you. This has been a very, uh, this has been probably one of the most fence city videos I've ever done, but I think it's interesting to talk about. So I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then.